Welcome to Jury File. My name is Rona, and this is The Jury Report, where you can find true crime news and updates on cases that we are following and cases that we are working on closely. You can also visit us over at juryfile.com for updates on cases as well, timelines, news, um, even off-site news, and updates from true crime podcasters. In this episode, we're discussing the case of a missing child in Hampton, Virginia. We'll give you an update from day one until today, which is day 12, of the search and criminal investigation. If you are following this or not following this, today's update will pretty much have you covered. The community and law enforcement in Hampton, Virginia are still searching for Cody Bigsby. Cody is four years old and he could be about three feet tall. Um, he has black hair and brown eyes. His height is not really certain as far as we're aware at this point. Additional details about Cody, including his weight, recent photos, and more details are highly debatable, so we've excluded that information. The first missing flyer that was circulated for Cody said that he weighed 80 pounds, but I and others really highly doubt that was accurate information. Um, the amount of inaccurate information that began to circulate in this case led many to believe that Cody may not have just wandered off. Meanwhile, there were many who believed that he did. And that's not an issue that anyone can remedy. Everyone will have their own opinion on a situation, even law enforcement. Unfortunately, allowing the investigation to play out while keeping the focus on Cody and the evidence and continuing the search and rescue efforts is really the only way to sort out what actually happened and not miss any key information. A lot of people are, are probably not happy with that, but essentially at the end of the day, if you want to cover all bases, it's really the only thing to do. I think law enforcement has come out and tried to give that notion as much as possible without interfering in the investigation that they do believe that something tragic happened to Cody. Some community members appear to be upset by um, not seeing law enforcement assisting with the search. And the reality is oftentimes that is exactly how this plays out. Hampton, Virginia is not messing around, though. The public wants to know more, but that's just how we are. We always want to know more. No matter what law enforcement says, the community of Hampton has vowed to Cody that they will search for him. And I don't think there's anything anybody can do to stop that or even say. It can be a risky situation to allow searches. Um, the police department sent a message when they abandoned community-wide searches and claimed that they not only had a person of interest, but evidence they believe leads to a crime having been committed. What we don't know is if it was an accident or not, how much evidence they have, and they probably do not even know the weight of the evidence yet themselves as they're still processing it, what appears to be very thoroughly we're going on the second week of investigators, what we assume to be forensic investigators, in and out of the Bigsby apartment where Cody lived or was said to have lived. 
but they might not have enough evidence to feel confident that something happened inside of the home and he was perhaps taken somewhere else after the fact. After a very depressing year of missing persons cases that have just been gravely mishandled by parents, law enforcement, economic issues, a lack of resources, what seems to be a pandemic-driven missing persons crisis, seeing Hampton, Virginia put the victim first, well, it's kind of it's kind of a breath of fresh air. We don't ever want to see anyone's rights taken away or taken advantage of, so that's not something we would be on board for. But seeing them take this extremely seriously is refreshing. Really quickly, I want to talk about the search and rescue in general terms for a moment. There's an overwhelmingly beautiful amount of younger people who are getting involved and being vocal online about Cody's case, um, especially locally. I want to talk about how this usually works, not saying it's a solid method or anything like that. But if we want to change the way things are done, the best first step is to understand how they currently are done and then attack the problem. I hope everyone who has gotten involved in Cody's case continues to be vocal for missing persons cases that they're passionate about. We can't cover every single case unless you had a podcast research and investigative team the size of Amazon. So pick the cases you're passionate about and just run with them and keep going and talking about them. Try to keep your information that you put out there as factual as possible. Do your homework, but definitely talk about it. Cody's case may or may not have a happy ending. And the people involved in this who have never been involved in true crime before really need to brace themselves. But keep hope for situations like this alive, no matter what the outcome for Cody. For him and his family, regardless of how you may view your act, their actions, not everything is so cut and dry. We don't know all the details here. But we're going to probably find them out. I don't think this is something that is going to go um, on for years and years like we see in many cases. I think Cody will have a resolution, whether we see it as a tragic one or not. But I definitely implore everyone to keep up. What you've been doing for Cody is amazing. And there are a lot of other people who need that type of attention um, on their cases, whether they be missing persons or unsolved murders, they they all need a lot of attention that we don't always have the resources within law enforcement to pull off. That's where the community and web sleuthing just comes in so much handy with these cases. When a child's reported missing, the home is ground zero and the first phase of the search and investigation what exactly that initial phase produces really depends on the next steps. But overall, once the home is found to not have the child inside or on the property, the search spans out from the house, typically a one to five mile radius, depending on the terrain and surroundings. Meanwhile, aerial teams, canine units surrounding law enforcement communities, um, you know, they'll bring in surrounding communities, search and rescue teams, to, to give a hand. Um, sometimes the FBI is asked to assist early on, but not usually. This vigorous search will continue while investigators begin to question the last people known to be with the missing child or person, as well as neighbors, um, friends if needed, extended family if needed. But this vigorous search can't and honestly shouldn't go on 
um, in, in that type of way forever. And I don't mean that you should give up on the victim, but what I mean is at some point when something's not working, you go back to the table and you analyze what you've done. You analyze the outcome. You analyze which way to go next. Um, there's a there's a lot to do there. So at some point you have to go back to the drawing board and figure out, okay, based on the evidence we have, based on the statements we have, what do we need to do now? Do we need to continue to search or do we need to let this investigation lead us to the victim? There are only so many neighbors, friends, and family that can can you can talk to at a point you have to draw back and allow the community to continue to search if they if they are wanting to do that and base the investigation and the search so to speak from the criminal investigation itself um you can collect evidence to lead you to the victim just like you can search for the victim and sometimes the evidence will take you there faster because you're not just out searching everywhere um this can this can all take a long time as far as evidence coming back it can take a couple of weeks take a couple of days depends on the evidence that they're processing and and how backed up their systems are that they're using um and then you have to compile all of that information and piece together the factual evidence. And that's not a quick process due to the length of time to process the evidence, lack of resources that prevent more people from being able to work on a specific case. And of course, the fact that sometimes tips can come in by the hundreds. No one wants to rush their way through evidence. Many cases don't get the funding to provide extra hands on deck until years after the crime was committed. The Delphi murders are a hot topic this weekend, and we actually have a special episode that we had planned for Sunday that we, um, even though there's a lot of new stuff going on, a lot of what we were going to release is pretty much um, still relevant to that and does talk about the new updates. So we're going to go ahead and still bring that out this weekend. Um, but many investigations don't don't get the attention they need as far as hands on deck for years within law enforcement. And that's unfortunate, but it's true. Many changes need to be made as far as how we prioritize victims in order to um, better serve them, how we serve children that are in a tragic or traumatic situation. Um, these are all things that need to be reassessed. But as far as, the delicate balance between holding people accountable and having the right to be innocent until proven guilty, which isn't a very important right. Just go check into all the inmates who have been locked up for 20, 30 years waiting to be proven innocent through forensic evidence. And, and many have been. Um, so you want, you want to make sure that you, contain that balance in the proper way you don't want to see someone wrongfully convicted and we definitely don't want to see that happen to Corey. if you're following cody's case you're probably well aware of a multitude of concerning statements and circumstances neighbors friends family have all been on a campaign to let the facts be known but who's spreading actual facts and who's on a mission to misinform We'll get to that in a little bit. And where's Cody's mother? She had been radio silent until yesterday. 
Cody's father has been arrested, but not in connection to Cody's disappearance. So let's break down what happened so far in this case to clear up some misinformation. We're going to start from day one and cover everything that's happened that seems to be relevant to the case. On day one, around 9 a.m. in the morning on Monday, January 31st, four-year-old Cody Bigsby was reported missing by his father, Corey Bigsby. Corey told the police that the last time he saw his son was at 2 a.m. inside their apartment and that Cody was wearing all black and he had on Spider-Man flip-flops. These felt like odd 2 a.m. details. Well, odd 2 a.m. four-year-old details. I mean, does he sleep in his flip-flops? If so, maybe not so weird. People are always very quick to claim that someone is not being truthful, but let's be honest, kids do weird shit. I slept with dry jello packets when I was a kid. I'm pretty sure that not a lot of people can say that they slept with dry jello packets when they were a child, but I definitely did and went to bed in five layers of clothes. Kids are not really normal humans. So even when I give the side eye to certain details that I might hear, I always wait to report on the facts as I, as I can confirm them because Sure, we speculate, but not to a point to damage the family or the investigation. There's so many times we help solve a case by just kind of being a little quiet, staying loud about the facts, keeping the relevant details, saving the hot tea because it can be reheated. After Corey filed the report, the hunt was on. Law enforcement and locals began searching the entire community for Cody. They searched parks, churches, waterways, trash cans. The police department even accepted volunteers from the community, which is a major difference from past searches, um, especially in the last few years with missing children or any missing person, really. Other agencies were called in on day one as well. Hampton did not wait, and I probably attribute that to their location. I doubt that they're any stranger to the FBI or senior law enforcement agencies given their location. Whereas other law enforcement agencies may be a little more threatened by calling in for backup from hierarchy. Corey Bigsby and his minor children were transported to the police department. Cody does not, um, well, Cody does have older siblings, but they don't live with him. Um, one older sibling lived with him, but he was five. There was Cody, who was four, and then two two-year-old twins. Some assume that his children are now with their mother. I'm not so sure about that, and it's no one's business. At the press conference, law enforcement said that the remaining children are thriving, and that's really all anyone needs to know. They're minors. They should not be the focus on finding Cody. Another surprising detail was when Hampton, Virginia, so boldly stated that Corey Bigsby was their person of interest. So either Hampton, Virginia is the hero we all needed right now, or there was so much evidence in that apartment on day one that they felt comfortable stating who their person of interest was. Time will tell. On day one, neighbors were also asked to check security camera footage in case they spotted Corey or Cody on it. Um, word started to spread about Cody's disappearance almost as fast as Corey's sister showed up in his defense. She didn't have much to say about Cody, but plenty to say about Corey and the police. 
She claimed that she tried to talk to him, but police would not allow her to see him. Virginia Police Department stated that he was there voluntarily and that he knew his rights and he could leave at any time. She also stated that her brother would never do something like this to his children. Day two and three were essentially a lot of community volunteer and law enforcement searches. Searches were conducted on the ground, aerial searches, as well as the waterways um, continued to be searched, while law enforcement mostly stayed inside the apartment. Corey Bigsby, Cody's father, lived inside of a par an apartment with his young children, he claims, but he was also in the process of buying a house, and you'll see those details unfold here in just a little bit. Another highlight of day two was Corey's sister, who doubled down on her freedom campaign for her brother, who at the time was being questioned by police. She claimed he would not do something like this, but when she was asked when she last saw Cody, she claimed that question was irrelevant, and the internet exploded. The community disagreed. And to this day, no one can account for seeing Cody the entire month of January. Actually, no one can account for when the last time they've seen Cody. On day two, rumors started to spread that perhaps it had been quite a while since anyone had seen Cody. And I have to say, the community of Hampton truly showed up for Cody. We have a little saying that love shows up, and it definitely did in Hampton, Virginia. This community is just enraged, sad, upset, motivated, determined, all at the same time. Neighbors are actively doing anything they can to help as early as day one. Police remained on site of Corey's apartment. Neighbors lived, um, neighbors that lived within close proximity, they were um, questioning them about the last time they had seen Cody or Corey, like I mentioned. Many of them could not be too sure if they had seen them. Police also asked neighbors to check security camera footage, anything that they possibly could. Like I mentioned, they were just trying to figure out when was he seen? Corey Bigsby was officially arrested after spending four days with investigators voluntarily, according to the Hampton Police Department. In a press conference, Hampton PD addressed concerns about whether or not Corey was being held in custody against his will and the police chief essentially and unapologetically said, Corey Bigsby is a grown man. They also revealed that Corey admitted to them that he left his four small children home alone on multiple occasions for hours at a time, resulting in the police arresting him on seven counts of child neglect. To be clear, the police chief noted in the press conference that Corey is retired from um, the military where he served in a position of authority. Corey knows his rights and was there voluntarily assisting with the investigation. Corey's sister showed back up in his defense and claimed that they held him against his will and refused to allow his lawyer or her to speak to him. A claim that his lawyer definitely doubled down on from the day he was hired. Corey's sister obtained the lawyer and brought him to the police station where Corey was, but his sister claims police refused to let her um, speak to him or his lawyer at all. Now, I have to say that 
as a sister who is very protected of, of her criminal brother for quite some time, I get her actions in the way that I feel many probably don't. My brother passed away in 2005 after a battle with addiction. He did drugs, absolutely. But his real addiction was taking risks. And he also had a huge heart found ways to laugh through the pain that he was put through as a child, and he was just an incredible father. But he did do a lot of messed up stuff along the way. Some criminals, some not. My personal favorite, shooting our biological father in the ass. We'll save that story for another time, though. I might compile a video someday of all the reasons why true crime intrigues me. You may be surprised at some of the reasons. Um... Back to Cody's sister, though. She legitimately reminds me of myself at times. I mean, my brother did some some things, but I would never expect him to have done anything to his children, ever. His untimely death was, in fact, a result of him protecting his children, at least in his mind. Being a criminal does not equate to being a murderer. Those are different things. Criminals come in all shapes and sizes. Either Corey's sister knows something or she is going to be the most shocked of all of us when or if this comes out that there was a tragic event that her brother was responsible for. And God be with her if that's the case. I do cut some slack for their, fi their family dynamic. I feel like I understand it in ways that doesn't mean I like it. It, it does mean I understand it, though. And from a mostly from a psychological standpoint. And I feel for everyone in this situation around Corey Bigsby. I will admit, even though I've spared judgment on the sister in a lot of ways, especially on her website and social media, I will say that questioning from the public is understandable. Cody's aunt has made m multiple weird statements. I tried to reserve judgment, though, until I found that she has multiple MySpace accounts. That alone is enough to raise red flags. Anyone with that many MySpace accounts is <laughs> setting themselves up for scrutiny, in my opinion. Day four had other revelations as well, like confirmation of Corey's new home, sources close to the investigation, um, letting some more details fly, also, sources that were close to the sale of the new home, they definitely highlighted some odd details surrounding the purchase of the home. It appeared that Corey had not yet moved in. Um, a source close to the family also spoke to Corey, um, also spoke about Corey's alleged secret lifestyle and that he liked keeping secrets. That was his norm, apparently, or allegedly, I'll say. The, the person also alleges that um, he likes to hide his movements. I don't know if that's true. It's a personal opinion, account, statement that I don't have the ability to fact check at the time. Day five and six included more community searches and more public outcry to assist with the search. Locals are still upset about law enforcement um, not continuing the community-wide search for Cody. It's it's easy to see both sides to this issue, but I have to be honest, law enforcement has given us so much more in this case regarding information than they have in many other cases. 
there has been a wealth of information shared and the community has the right to be heard. They love this little boy. They have never even laid eyes on him aside from a photo on the news. They want to see him come home though. They post on social media all day and half the night. They're vocal about their frustrations and pain in dealing with the heaviness that they feel for Cody. This little boy has an army, an army who will not, who will not stop being hyper vigilant when it when they see an odd situation in the future more than likely when they see a child or a family um that something just doesn't feel right or doesn't add up they they may be a little bit more willing after this to contact law enforcement and remember cody that you know hey maybe if maybe if we notice something sooner we could have done something and and that will be something that that community probably takes with them which is sad but at the same time it, it's a good thing to take something positive from it to make you more aware and more understanding of these situations day seven people are asking about cody's siblings specifically the ones he lived with Police will be very guarded in any information that they obtain from a child. Um, and continuing the investigation does not mean that the remaining children have or haven't given investigators important information. That information would still need to be vetted through law enforcement in order to stand up in court. It's exceptionally hard to set a time frame also on getting a child to talk about a traumatic event. It's not so easy it can take years in some cases so i think focusing on what the children might have to say about what happened is is probably not the best place to place your efforts because that's one thing you're not getting your hands on is is documents relating to minors statements the community and volunteers from around the country on day eight the community and volunteers from around the country including um, corporate media, independent reporters, community members, and everyone was continuing the search and the reporting and the investigation into what happened to Cody. Law enforcement was still posted at Corey Bigsby's home. And on day eight, they spent the entire day there once again, dragging out more furniture from inside the apartment and looking to be thoroughly going through things still. On day nine of the search, Cody's father, Corey, appeared in court for a bond hearing after being arrested on seven child neglect charges. In the courtroom, there were multiple in interested parties from independent reporters to Corey's ex-wife, who he shares adult children with. Corey's legal counsel argued that he's not a flight risk. The judge ultimately disagreed with that. But he argued that he wasn't a flight risk, and Corey did admit to the fact that while enlisted in the military, he did go AWOL. And because of that and prior domestic violence allegations, the judge ultimately decided to deny him bond. The search for Cody will probably now heavily rely on the investigation into Corey Bigsby, given that he is the last person to see Cody. And he was responsible for his care. Some have reported that his mother left on a vacation and then moved to D.C. without returning to her children. Others claim that the mother let the children go visit Corey and that he refused to give them back. 
There was a prior domestic violence report by Cody's mother against Cody's father, Corey. But the issue was never resolved in court. That could mean one of several things. Like I said, I wouldn't be too quick to judge in this situation. On day 10, it's still unclear when Cody Bigsby was last seen by anyone. Police are still seeking information and the community is still searching. On day 11, Cody's mom broke her silence. After being named online, I think they probably realized that it would be a downward spiral for her at that point in the media. She spoke to the media through um, a family representative, and she wanted to speak to the people who had sacrificed time, money, and heartache to search for her son. We're going to read that really quick, what she had to say. At this present time, I do not wish to take part in any telephone, television, or social media interviews. My reluctance is based on the upcoming trial and the questions asked are questions that will be addressed in court. In addition, I have been advised by legal counsel not to address the public. However, I would like to thank the community. I sincerely appreciate all the volunteers, rescue workers, police, FBI, news reporters, the community at large, family, friends, and everyone who is showing love and support for Cody. It truly warms my heart. I am praying for the safe return of my baby boy, Cody. I hope the public and community understand and respect my position at this tragic time. Cody's mother did not speak out on day one and had not spoken publicly to date until this statement was released. Her identity was also unknown to the general public, but as soon as the public began to identify her on their own, a statement was released. She has remained silent, away from the public, and away from the searches for her son. What does that actually mean, though? Some think it means a whole lot more than it might. I'm not here to defend anyone, but based on the facts we know so far, I firmly believe that Cody's mother had nothing to do with this, and I believe that her silence has been requested early on in this investigation. I could be wrong about that. The public may not have known on day one, but the police knew who she was, and they spoke to her. There are certain details that probably shouldn't be revealed at this point. A trial is probably coming, and this could be one of those situations where you just don't want to say too much before trial. I can't say for sure. None of us really can at this moment, but I truly believe that judgment should be reserved in regards to Cody's mother. For those who are upset with her, your own distaste for someone's actions does not imply guilt. People do things that we disagree with. It doesn't mean that they have done it for reasons we initially think they have. It doesn't mean they were mal malicious. It doesn't mean that they had ill intent. Early on, rumors began to spread about Cody's mother, but they were all vastly different depending on who you spoke to. Like I mentioned before, Corey's family says that she ran off on vacation and then moved to D.C. and never came back to her children. P other people will say that she she did come back, but or there was never a vacation and that she let the children visit Corey and he wouldn't give them back. 
given the domestic violence report that was made by Cody's mother against Corey, it adds another element of information regarding his mother. The domestic violence allegation was never resolved in court. Was Cody's mother too afraid of fighting him? Or was she looking for a way out? Those are big questions that I feel investigators may already know the answers to. And perhaps it's not any of our business. Because with or without the mother's assistance, Cody is being searched for. Information is being revealed. The investigation into Corey is going on. And hopefully the truth will come out. With or without her? So for some... Some reason, if you feel angered by that, you're right to your feelings, but I also feel the need to say that we don't always know everything and we don't all react to things the same. Maybe she knows Corey better than all of us. And maybe she has very little hope that there's reason to search and that she maybe fully believes that the investigation is the way to find Cody. We don't know. Bottom line, Cody wasn't with his mother. He was with his father. That is why his father had to report him missing. Cody's mother is not the target for information, aside from a window into Corey Bigsby and the children.